voter fraud scandal, FBI scandal, and the really big one, FTX scandal. We'll explain the whole deal on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and let you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 282 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners. Most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, first of all, I want to say thank you to my friend and business partner, Donnie Copeland, for filling in for me uh, for a couple of episodes while I was out of town. My mother recently turned 90 years old, and we had a surprise birthday party for her in Panama City, Florida, and my wife and I went down there and got to see some family that uh, she'd never seen before, she'd never met, and some of whom I had not seen in over 40 years. That was a wonderful thing, and uh, I owe the ability to have been able to have gone to my good friend and business partner, Donnie Copeland, who filled in for me in a couple of episodes. It is good to be back, back in the saddle again. Um, I was grieved by the situation in Arizona. The longer it played out, the more obvious it became that they were going to steal it. They were going to steal it from the gentleman running for Senate, Blake Masters, and they're definitely going to steal it from Carrie Lake, who was running for governor as a Republican. Now let's start with an in-depth look at what happened in Arizona. We'll go to the Western Journal, westernjournal.com. Article entitled, Was Suppressing a Few Hundred Kerry Lake Votes at Each Malfunctioning Polling Place Enough to Swing the Race? Article written by Randy DeSoto. He says the only fair remedy to address the fiasco that occurred in Maricopa County, Arizona, on Election Day is a redo. There is no doubt the candidates most impacted by the 70 polling stations experiencing inordinately long lines due in part to vote tabulating machines malfunctioning were Republicans like Carrie Lake and Attorney General candidate Abe Hamaday. 
Both trail their Democrat opponents by less than 1% of the vote. As of this writing, Lake is about 18,000 votes behind Democrat Katie Hobbs, with votes still incoming, though the Associated Press and other major media outlets have called the race for Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs running for governor. Now, this was written just a few hours ago, just so you know. He continues, Abe Hamaday is much closer with only approximately 2,200 votes separating him from Democrat candidate for Attorney General of Arizona, Chris Mays. Over 2.5 million ballots have been cast statewide in the contest, and more than 1.5 million came out of Maricopa County, which encompasses the Phoenix metropolitan area. Republican voters showed up heavily on Election Day. Abe Hamaday tweeted on Saturday, remember, over 72% of the votes on Election Day in person were Republican. When you have 30% of the tabulating machines failing, causing people to leave the lines and give up, this is voter suppression targeting a political party. Despite all the Election Day problems, Carrie Lake was able to close Katie Hobbs's lead from double digits and about 183,000 votes based on on her advantage in the early voting tallies to less than a percent, about 12,000 votes, by the Wednesday following the election, thanks to Election Day votes. In her August primary, Carrie Lake took the lead over establishment Republican pick Karen Taylor Robson the day after the election because of Election Day totals. Robson, like Hobbs, had leapt out to a double-digit lead on election night due to early voting and mail-in ballots. Unlike the primary race, Carrie Lake never had to lead against Hobbs, and arguably that was due to vote tabulator machine problems across Maricopa County on Election Day. And then the article has a tweet embedded from Charlie Kirk, who said the same scene played out tens of thousands of times all across Maricopa County. How many voters were disenfranchised or simply ran out of time? If the majority of Election Day voters were Democrats, this would be the number one news story in America still today. Total joke. And the article continues, the approximately 18,000 votes separating Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs breaks down to about 250 people being dissuaded from voting per the 70 ill-functioning polling stations. For Attorney General candidate Abe Hamaday, about 30 people per location would make the difference. It is entirely conceivable that hundreds of people either left the line or didn't show up as they heard about the hours-long lines, and I've seen the videos, lines it would take hours to get through. whether through the news or family or friends, texting them, etc. Here's what happened on Election Day in Ruby Red Anthem, north of Phoenix. And there's another embedded tweet from Randy DeSoto with the video of a line that seems to be endless. 
And it says, here's the problem with what happened in Maricopa County on Election Day. This is the town of Anthem, north of Phoenix, at about 1.15 p.m., Ruby Red District of about 30,000 people, only one polling location, ballot tabulators not working in the morning, two-hour wait to vote midday, and still two-hour wait at 6 p.m. The same was true throughout the county. So here is an embedded tweet from Chandler in southeast Maricopa from someone named Jennifer Alvey and another video. She says, I was outside a polling location in southeast Chandler for three hours Tuesday morning as a campaign supporter. We were told the polling locations in North Gilbert were down, so those voters were being sent to ours. Wonder how many never voted at all upon leaving Gilbert. And here's a picture from a polling location in Scottsdale, east of Phoenix. This from an embedded tweet from Charlie Kirk again. It says, the lines in Maricopa are insane this morning. This is one poll in Scottsdale at 9 a.m. Keep pushing, overwhelm the system. And it's a a picture of a very long line. The Western Journal received over 20 exclusive videos featuring Arizona voters explaining how difficult it was for them to cast their ballots. One voter had to wait in line for seven hours. Kerry Lake suggested on Election Day the places most impacted by malfunctioning machines and long lines seem to be Republican strongholds. Here's another embedded video. This one from Olivia Brown. She says, after having his ballot rejected numerous times, he looked at the line, shook his head, and then left. How many times did this happen in Arizona on Election Day? This is Arizona voter suppression. Now, the Washington Post later reported there were heavily Democrat polling locations impacted too, but that, of course, misses the point that Republicans were voting in far greater numbers on Election Day than Democrats were. The results of last Tuesday's elections are irreparably tainted due to interference on the field of play, if you will. The only fair response is a redo of Maricopa County. That is Randy DeSoto, senior staff writer who has written more than 2,000 articles for the Western Journal in the past seven years. And the article entitled was suppressing a few hundred Kerry Lake votes at each malfunctioning polling place enough to swing the race. I have no doubt that it was. By the way, what whatever happened to counting all the votes instead of saying, well, the Associated Press said that your opponent won, so you need to go ahead and concede. I mean, how did that become the expectation? It's outrageous. So six days, six days after Election Day, Monday evening, November 14th, when all the media, including Fox News, began to call the Arizona gubernatorial race for the Democrat Katie Hobbs, Carrie Lake went on Twitter and said one thing. She said, Arizonans 
no BS when they see it. That's it. That's it. I believe they stole Pennsylvania, they stole Arizona, they stole Nevada. And still, a week, a week after the election, California is still counting. As of Tuesday morning, November 15th, there were some congressional districts, they hadn't even counted half the votes. So I wake up Tuesday morning, November 15th, glad to be back home, walk into the living room. My wife had left Fox News on television when she went to work. And I see Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino just chuckling about the fact that California is still counting votes a week after Election Day, as if nothing is wrong. Kind of reminds me of when Fox and Friends said last week, oh, now we're not suggesting anything is amiss in Maricopa County, Arizona. We're just reporting what's going on, that's all. Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. Everybody move along. Kind of reminds me of Election Night 2020, when Fox News was counting states very early for Biden and waiting for days to count obvious Trump wins. Frustrating. So I talk about this stuff sometimes on social media, on Twitter, and people are like, why are you still watching Fox News? I said, because of what I do for a living. You know, I mean, if, if and when I can retire, then I can stop watching Fox News. I mean, Tucker does a great job. Don't get me wrong. Tucker does a great job. And my buddies, Dan Bongino and Mark Levin, on the weekends, do a great job. And Jesse Waters has some moments. And Laura Ingram has some moments. But after that, it gets pretty thin. Pretty thin. Hmm? No, I'm sorry. I, I can't stay up late enough to watch Trace Gallagher. He's a good guy. But y- you, know, you know who I'm leaving out. Anyway, I um, want to talk about the big FBI scandal that's come out last few days and the FTX scandal, which is huge. That's all coming up. Let me just mention before we go any further how much we appreciate our advertisers for making it possible for us to do what we do here. If you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they will drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button on it that says Explore Payment Options. Now, clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions 
that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental USA. RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. And we are glad our friend Mitch Ward at Red River Your Way advertises with us. We appreciate you, Mitch. All right, Patreon Mobile. Let me tell you, if you have gotten sick and tired of supporting the leftist progressive agendas of big mobile companies, and you are ready to redirect your money to support Christian conservative causes, it's only one place to go, Patriot Mobile. It's America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes as well as multi-line users. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Now, if you're a conservative-owned business, tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars go to corporate woke agendas, Patriot Mobile now offers competitive business plans to suit companies of any size. So switch to Patriot Mobile Business. You can find out all about it at business.patriotmobile.com or call their 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469-FREEDOM. Use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. That's business.patriotmobile.com or call 469-FREEDOM. And for your personal cell phone service, it's patriotmobile.com or call 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use that promo code DOC, D-O-C, for free activation. All right, now, we want to look at the big FBI scandal that I bet you haven't heard anything about. Now, maybe some talk radio, 
has talked about this? I don't know. I know Laura Ingram on Fox News has because our friend Julie Kelly was on with her. But I want to share with you this article that Julie just dropped at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, entitled Feds Had Informants in Proud Boys and Oath Keepers for J6. She says, if Republicans eke out a win in the House of Representatives, which now seems likely, GOP leaders have promised to investigate numerous government scandals, including the irredeemably corrupt Federal Bureau of Investigation. One path of inquiry is how the Bureau manufactures data to promote the phony narrative that domestic violent extremists, in other words, supporters of Donald Trump, pose a security threat to the country. Whistleblowers recently disclosed how the FBI is misrepresenting the scale of domestic violent extremism nationwide by categorizing January 6th related investigations as organic cases stemming from local field offices instead of all related to one single incident. Now, that's according to a report by Republican members of the House Judiciary Committee. Shortly after the Capitol protest, FBI Director Christopher Wray designated the four-hour disturbance as an act of domestic terror. Federal prosecutors routinely compare January 6th defendants to terrorists, enabling the government to seek and receive extended jail time for misdemeanor convictions and justify indefinite pretrial detention for nonviolent offenders. During his Senate testimony in March 2021, FBI Director Chris Wray described members of the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys two groups involved in the events of January 6th as militia violent extremists. When Senator Lindsey Graham, now Sean, just wait and see, Sean. We're going to get to the bottom of it, Sean. When Senator Lindsey Graham, rhino of South Carolina, asked Chris Ray whether he considered either group a domestic terror organization, the director refused to answer directly instead insisting individuals associated with both groups are domestic terrorists. Now, those comments alone should be fireable offenses. Set aside Chris Ray's excuse-making for leftist rioters. In 2020, Ray laughably refused to apply the same label to Antifa, calling it a movement or an ideology, not a terrorist organization. No evidence exists to support Ray's accusations that the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys mimic terror cells comparable to Al-Qaeda. Of the nearly two dozen members of both groups now facing charges tied to January 6th, only one is accused of using a weapon, a riot shield, and it is alleged he used it to break a window, not harm a person, that afternoon. Members of the Oath Keepers who drove to Washington 
to attend the president's speech, left their legally transported weapons at a Virginia hotel rather than violate Washington, D.C.'s strict gun control laws. Yeah, worst militia ever, huh? And no one in either group carried a firearm into the building or onto Capitol grounds. But Christopher Ray conveniently left off another vital detail about these so-called militias, the number of FBI confidential human sources embedded within them both before and during the Capitol protest. Prior to the September start of the seditious conspiracy trial against members of the Oath Keepers, prosecutors finally disclosed that at least five FBI informants were embedded in the groups weeks and months before January 6th. Matthew Graves, the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia, handling over 900 January 6th cases, sought to prevent the jury from hearing about the informant's activities or involvement in past investigations. None testified as a witness for the government. But the defense wanted to call to the stand the vice president of the Oath Keepers, a man who worked directly with Stuart Rhodes, the founder and head of the group. Greg McWhorter is a former sheriff's deputy and current owner of a tactical shooting range and gun shop in Montana. McWhorter also is an FBI informant. According to a bombshell piece in the New York Times, McWhorter was secretly reporting to the FBI about the group's activities in the weeks and months leading up to the Capitol attack. Reporter Alan Fewer, New York Times, further revealed that McWhorter had suffered a medical emergency, boarding a plane to Washington to testify and required hospitalization. Prosecutors asked the presiding judge to find out who leaked the information about McWhorter's role under court-ordered protective seal to New York Times reporter Alan Fewer. Defense dropped him as a witness. Not only did McWhorter work for the FBI, he lured Oath Keepers to his remote business by offering discounts to buy guns and ammo before the 2020 election, presumably at the behest of the FBI to produce evidence of a self-styled militia, even though no crime was committed. All of it reeks of the FBI-engineered plot to so-called kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer an entrapment scheme underway at the very same time. The FBI utilized informants in the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers before January 6th. And the Whitmer fednapping hoax, Dan Chappell, the lead informant, acted as the commanding officer of an imaginary militia revealed during trial as a fabrication of the FBI only to lure the FBI's targets into the trap. Further, another Oath Keeper turned informant called the FBI tip line in November 2020 over fears the group planned to go to war with the United States government, but investigators didn't contact him until March 2021. But, unlike the Whitmer fednapping plot, 
where the FBI arrested their targets before any attempted kidnapping could occur, the FBI did not use any foreknowledge about possible violence on January 6th to prevent what happened that day despite connections to several informants. The question is, why not? The FBI also ran informants in the Proud Boys before January 6th. Last year, New York Times reporter Alan Feuer revealed the FBI embedded one informant in the group in July 2020. The informant was involved in the first breach of the restricted area. So in September 2021, Times reporter Alan Feuer reported, as scores of Proud Boys made their way, chanting and shouting, toward the Capitol on January 6th, one member of the far-right group was busy texting a real-time account of the march. The recipient was his FBI handler. Now, another FBI informant was associated with a separate chapter of the Proud Boys that also participated in the events of, you guessed it, January 6th. Now, it appears that the FBI had multiple assets dispersed among the Proud Boys. A last-minute discovery dump last week by prosecutors includes at least 500 pages of possibly exculpatory evidence related to the FBI's confidential human source operation within the Proud Boys. Jury selection for the first trial is scheduled to start December 12th. The New York Times reported late Monday night that at least eight FBI informants were placed in the Proud Boys. According to one defense motion, the Justice Department held this material for more than a year only to release heavily redacted versions of the pages one month before trial. One defense lawyer noted that even page numbers had been redacted. Now, defense attorneys have asked U.S. District Court Judge Timothy Kelly to take action. Counsel for Zachary Rell, a proud boy from Pennsylvania, asked Judge Kelly to dismiss the indictment in this case and impose such other sanctions as are just and proper on the grounds that the government has violated Mr. Rell's rights to a fair trial and to the due process of law by failing to produce until this past week information favorable to Mr. Rell that is material either to guilt or to punishment under Brady versus Maryland. Even more outrageous is that Rell and three of his co-defendants have been behind bars under pretrial detention orders since early 2021. Judge Kelly, a Trump appointee, has consented to their indefinite incarceration as the Justice Department plays last-minute games to either face plea agreements or delay trial once again. Now, just so you know, Brady v. Maryland was a landmark United States Supreme Court case that established that the prosecution must turn over all evidence that might exonerate the defendant, exculpatory evidence, you know, they got to turn it over to the defense. The prosecution failed to do so for Brady, and he was convicted. Brady challenged his conviction, 
arguing it had been contrary to the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution, and he won. Not only did he win, but he won 7-2 in 1963. So anyway, I mean, that's the law. And obviously the feds are ignoring it. But I digress. Back to Julie Kelly at amgreatness.com. Gamesmanship aside, it's now evident the FBI infiltrated these two so-called militia groups well in advance of January 6, 2021, so only one of two explanations is possible. Either the FBI hired lousy informants, all of whom failed to tell their handling agents that the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys planned to overthrow the government that day, or more likely, the FBI replicated the Whitmer fednapping. Informants worked with supervising agents and FBI hierarchy to concoct another so-called domestic terror attack to bolster Christopher Ray's unsubstantiated warnings about domestic violent extremists for political reasons. In other words, they wanted to sabotage Donald Trump. In either case, where is the outrage among January 6th propagandists that the FBI, contrary to Director Ray's public assertions, had plenty of resources devoted to collecting intelligence about the Capitol protest? Why did Chris Ray's surveillance operation fail so spectacularly? Who are the handling agents responsible for such widespread failure? Why haven't heads rolled? Where is Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez calling for Chris Ray's resignation? That these questions remain unanswered, and more importantly, unasked, is a telling sign. That is Julie Kelly, political commentator and senior contributor to American Greatness. The article is entitled, Feds had informants in Proud Boys and Oath Keepers for J6. You know, with Republicans taking over the House, with Jim Jordan becoming chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, I hope they'll actually investigate this sort of thing. But we'll see. We'll see. Now, yet to come, as if these scandals aren't enough, have you heard about the FTX scandal? I ain't going to lie, fam. It is huge. And that's coming right up. First of all, I just want to say thank you to one of our advertisers, one that may really be able to help you. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo? How about problems with your blood sugar? How about psoriasis? How about migraines even? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center may be able to help you. Let me tell you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas bone to get out of alignment. And if it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, 
your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it is designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away and has never come back. The migraines went away too, and they never came back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, blood sugar issues, psoriasis, even migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me, they've helped my wife, they've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again, for your free consultation, 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside central Arkansas, and you're thinking, man, I wish I was closer. I wish somebody like that could help me. I wish I could at least talk to somebody, do the free consultation, and find out if they can help me. Well, it's easy. Go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says Find a Doctor Near You, and I sure hope you can. Turnmypoweron.com. Thank you so much to Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree, for helping us out, not only for advertising with us, not only for being our friends, but for being our doctors. They've helped me, they've helped my wife, they've helped so many people that we know. Now, I want to go to a little bit of audio before we get to the um, big FTX scandal. I want to get to a little bit of audio. Louisiana Republican Congressman Clay Higgins asking FBI Director Christopher Wray about whether they had confidential human sources, the FBI, at the Capitol at January 6th. And it went something like this. Did the FBI have confidential human sources embedded within the January 6th protesters on January 6th of 2021? Well, Congressman, as I'm sure you can appreciate, I have to be very careful about what I can say about when. Even now, because that's what you told us two years ago. May I finish? Uh, About when we do and do not and where we have and have not used confidential human sources. Uh, But to the extent that there's a suggestion, for example, that the FBI's confidential human sources or FBI employees in some way instigated or orchestrated January 6th, that's categorically false. Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January 6th prior to the doors being opened? Again, I had to be very careful. It should be a no. Can you not tell the American people? No, we did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol. Gentlemen's time has expired. You should not read anything into my decision Uh, not to share information. Gentlemen's time has expired. Now, that is troubling. That is exceedingly troubling. I read a lot into it, bro. I shouldn't read anything into it. No, I'm reading it. I'm reading it right into it, man. Because you walked us right into that. Now, the voice you hear at the end saying the gentleman's time has expired, 
That is the voice of Mississippi Democrat Congressman Benny Thompson, who is also the figurehead chairman of the January 6th committee. The committee designed to whitewash what the feds did on January 6th. I just thought you'd want to know that. But that's not all. No, no. That's not all. Florida Republican Congressman Carlos Jimenez also had questions for Christopher Ray. Went something like this. Do you know how many people die per day from fentanyl overdose? I don't have that figure. Would I? Would it shock you to say over two hundred die daily from fentanyl overdoses? I know the numbers are eye popping. Eye popping. Um, who controls that trade? Who is pouring in this deadly drug into the United States? Uh, transnational criminal organizations, uh, especially the cartels. Which ones? From where? Uh, typically from Mexico. Would you consider that to be a terrorist act? Well, I certainly consider it to be a major, major law enforcement threat and a major, major security threat. Whether I would call it a national security threat gets into sort of terminology, but certainly it is a major threat to the homeland uh, of, of almost epidemic proportions. So an organization that's killing over 200 Americans every single day, you have difficulty in saying that they're not terrorizing us? Well, again, in my world, terrorism has a very specific legal definition. It is certainly a national security threat. Um, I remember the last time FBI Director Christopher Wray was under oath in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee two or three months ago. And... uh, He was asked if he thought that the Trump-Russia collusion theory was a hoax. And he said, no, I would not categorize that as a hoax. Oh, really? Even though you know it's not true, you wouldn't categorize it as a hoax. I'll tell you, man. Donald J. Trump did a lot of wonderful things for this country. But as is true of any human being, of course he has regrets. And one of those regrets, of course, would be the hiring of Christopher Wray to be director of the FBI. Do you know who gave Donald Trump the advice to hire Christopher Wray? New Jersey Governor, then Governor, Chris Christie. Oh, yeah, Chris Ray. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy that handled the, uh, the the Bridgegate scandal for me. He'd be great as FBI director. Oh, okay. Not good. Not good. Now, let me share with you, let's get into this FTX scandal. A couple of articles over the postmillennial.com 
I had to look around because a lot of the articles that I found had a lot of technological terms about the whole Bitcoin situation that I didn't understand and I thought you might not understand either. But the postmillennial.com does a better job of trying to put things on the lower branches for people like you and me. Ukraine partnered with top Democrat donors crypto company FTX as Biden administration funded war effort. Oh, boy. The multi-billion dollar cryptocurrency company FTX, run by CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, the second biggest Democrat donor right after George Soros, collapsed last week as details emerged regarding their financial practices, which led to a run by customers on FTX. FTX did not have the funds to pay out. It was also revealed that FTX had partnered with Ukraine to process donations to their war efforts within days of Joe Biden pledging billions of American taxpayer dollars to the country. Ukraine partnered with FTX as the Biden administration funneled funds to the invaded nation, and FTX then made massive donations to Democrats in the U.S. An article from the cryptocurrency news website Coindesk from March 15, 2022, reported Ukraine partnered with FTX and that FTX is converting crypto contributions to Ukraine's war effort into fiat for a deposit at the National Bank of Ukraine. Now, fiat, of course, is the legal tender or paper money of a particular country. Oh, boy. So then they have an embedded tweet from Alex Berenson, the great COVID reporter, Alex Berenson, who said, this is where I really, truly need another reporter, one who is skilled on financial fraud and not afraid to chase a story that could be very bad for Democrats. The Venn diagram is small. And there's a response from reporter Sarah Connor, who said at this early hour, it appears that tens of billions in American so-called military aid to Ukraine, which was allegedly to be used to fight Russia, was cash that Ukraine did not use to fight Russia, but instead invested into FTX. And as you might guess from the bankruptcy filing, it now seems that all the money that FTX was given is gone. Yes, you read that correctly. Instead of using U.S. military aid to fight Russia, Ukraine invested part or all of it into FTX, and right now it looks like all the money is gone. Democrat donations. Also, at this early hour, it now also appears that the chief of FTX, Sam Blankman-Fried, was the number two donor to the Democrats. He was only outspent by George Soros himself. 
It seems Ukraine was receiving money from the U.S. Ukraine sent it to FTX, and FTX sent it to Democrats, who originally voted to send it to Ukraine. At this hour, it appears to some observers to be pure criminal money laundering. Yeah, it does. Now, Putin invaded Ukraine on February 24th, and by March, the Biden administration had already sent a total of $2 billion, with a B, dollars to Ukraine for so-called security assistance. And on March 16th, two days after the Ukraine-FTX partnership, Biden gave another $800 million to Ukraine. As of November, the U.S. has sent over $60 billion to Ukraine. And then... They have an embedded tweet from the great Natalie Winters, reporter at the postmillennial.com, who says Ukraine's Ministry of Digital Transformation is a partner of FTX. The article continues, Bankman Freed made donations to the Democrats that totaled almost $40 million, putting him just behind George Soros and his $128 million and donations for the 2021-2022 cycle. Bankman-Fried became a significant donor to Biden starting in 2020. He was the largest financial contributor to the Protect Our Future PAC. The Political Action Committee, which endorsed Democrat candidates such as Peter Welch, who this week won his bid to become Vermont's next senator, and Robert J. Menendez, of New Jersey, who secured a House seat. As Bloomberg reports, Bankman-Fried had his net worth go from $15.6 billion down to $1 billion in the biggest one-day collapse it had ever seen among billionaires over the weekend, a personal loss of funds that coincided with FTX's implosion. It's expected that Bankman-Fried will go bankrupt in the face of a liquidity crunch and the abrupt change in financial status, and he has already filed for Chapter 11. FTX lost roughly $1 billion of customer funds, and the money vanished, causing federal regulators to look into the company. The investigation will be conducted to determine the extent of harm to clients and what laws FTX may have broken Though FTX is not based in the U.S., a move that makes it possible for FTX to skirt U.S. financial regulatory laws. Wow. Then they have a, uh, an embedded tweet from the Economic News website Slashdot, which says Reuters reports $1 billion of client funds Missing at FTX, to which Elon Musk replied, no way. Crypto Slate reports FTX is under investigation by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission regarding the management and handling of client funds. With this latest development, FTX has more questions to answer as scrutiny builds around the SEC investigation. Roughly $5 billion was withdrawn from FTX on Sunday. The trouble began for FTX last week when rival crypto 
company Binance said, like finance except with a B instead of an F, said they were selling off their holdings of FTT, which is the proprietary coin of FTX. Now, after Binance said that, FTX was in financial trouble and essentially sought a bailout from other firms, Binance among them. The New York Post reports that FTX's implosion followed revelations that co-founder Sam Bankman-Fried had been funneling money to a sister trading company run by his girlfriend. That company, Alameda Research, is run by Bankman-Fried's girlfriend, Carolyn Ellison, and is also based in the Bahamas. And they have an embedded video of this Carolyn Ellison person, CEO of FTX, and she's in her 20s and just seems like a valley girl, an airhead. Oh, my goodness. But the article at postmillennial.com continues, Binance announced that they would buy the company, then pulled out of the deal, saying that after some due diligence, they decided it would not be a good investment. On Twitter, they reported, as a result of corporate due diligence, as well as the latest news reports regarding mishandled customer funds and alleged U.S. agency investigations, we have decided that we will not pursue the potential acquisition of FTX. They continued, in the beginning, our hope was to be able to support FTX's customers to provide liquidity, but the issues are beyond our control or ability to help. Every time a major player in an industry fails, retail consumers will suffer. We have seen over the last several years that the crypto ecosystem is becoming more resilient, and we believe in time that outliers that misuse user funds will be weeded out by the free market. As regulatory frameworks are developed, and as the industry continues to, to evolve toward greater decentralization, the ecosystem will grow stronger. Now, part of the issue for Binance is that Alameda Research, which is helmed by Bankman-Fried's girlfriend, holds a great deal of their assets in this FDT, FTT money, or the FTT coins. And FTX had invested their customers' funds into Alameda through a back door without oversight. Uh-oh. So Crypto Slate reported, late on Friday evening, it has since been confirmed that a total of around $10 billion was moved from FTX to Alameda Research by FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried. Bitcoin Archive tweeted this out, which Crypto Slate noted, was used to move assets in the billions of dollars without triggering alerts to staff and external auditors. Corey Clipston, CEO of investment platform Swan Bitcoin, said it is fascinating to see that the majority of the net equity in the Alameda business is actually FTX's own centrally controlled and printed out of thin air token. Yikes. This led to a run on FTX by customers revealing that FTX did not have the funds to pay out. With billions of customers' money missing, it's been revealed 
that top Democrat donor and FTX founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, is in the Bahamas, where FTX is based. Additional reports are that FTX execs are seeking to try to flee to Dubai. Yep. They have a um, another embedded tweet from Unusual Whales. That news website, it says, Justin Cohen-Telegraph reports that three former FTX executives, as well as Alameda Research CEO Caroline Ellison, are looking for ways to flee to Dubai, which doesn't have any extradition treaties, likely in reference to the United States. But wait, there's more. Now that's the article from Sunday, November 13th, at the postmillennial.com entitled Ukraine Partnered with Top Democrat Donors Crypto Company FTX as Biden Administration Funded War Effort. Now the next day, the postmillennial.com had this article. A question worth asking. Elon Musk weighs in on money laundering allegations against FTX. Oh boy. It says more questions are being raised about the relationship between the collapsing cryptocurrency company FTX, its former CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, and fellow executives and the Democrat Party. Questions that Twitter owner Elon Musk believes are worth investigating. Twitter user Tara Bull, who specializes in cryptocurrency, posted a tweet that says, Was FTX being used to launder money for the Democrat Party? WEF sponsored FTX on their website, which has now been removed, Elon Musk replied, a question worth asking. Of course, WEF is a World Economic Forum, a globalist organization built on vague values centered around equity, while a series of higher-ups, such as Klaus Schwab, determine what equality of outcome should look like for the global citizenry. Steve Bannon has called the Democrats and the Biden regime the American arm of the World Economic Forum apparatus. Writing for the New York Post, Miranda Devine said, the sinister neo-socialists at the World Economic Forum loved Sam Bankman-Fried so much, they made FTX a corporate partner, but that page on the World Economic Forum website has vanished in the last 48 hours, leaving an error message on the same day. Elon Musk tweeted, Sam Bankman-Fried was a major Democrat donor, so no investigation. Sam Bankman-Fried, by the way, the second biggest Democrat donor right after George Soros. Bankman-Fried made donations to the Democrats that totaled almost $40 million, putting him just behind George Soros and his $128 million and donations for the 2021-2022 cycle. Bankman-Fried became a significant donor to Biden starting in 2020 with $10 million in support. He's now the largest financial contributor to the Protect Our Future PAC. Now, that's Political Action Committee, which endorsed Democrat candidates such as Peter Welch, who this week won his bid to become Vermont's next senator, and Robert J. Menendez of New Jersey, who kept his seat in the U.S. House. Sam Bankman-Fried also gave significant 
significant contributions to guarding against pandemics, the Democrat National Committee, and other groups pouring money into groups to advance Democrat nominees in both the Senate and the House. He also supported Kirsten Gillibrand, a very pro-crypto Democrat who also happens to be sponsoring a bill that would keep the Securities and Exchange Commission out of the crypto market. Writing for the New York Post, Miranda Devine noted, Sam Bankman-Fried saw his business file for bankruptcy days after the election, but not before pumping $40 million in the Democrat Party to spend on get-out-the-vote and other shadowy ballot-harvesting mechanics for the midterms. Bankman-Fried's mother, Stanford Law Professor Barbara Fried, runs Mind the Gap, another left-wing political action committee, a PAC, that raised $140 million for Democrats. Miranda Devine also reports at New York Post on how Sam Bankman-Fried adhered to the doctrine of effective altruism. This movement originated out of Oxford, and it's a red herring for the form of socialism that overtook elite plutocrats and technocrats pledged to leftist causes who found fertile soil for the wealth in the tech sector. A Nas Daily video promoted Sam Bankman-Fried and said about him, Sam is not a traditional billionaire because he believes in the concept of earn to give, which means over the next decade he will probably give away more than $10 million. And he wants to get rich in order to impact the world and change it. Sam Bankman-Fried also visited the White House April 22nd and May 12th and met with Biden advisor Steve Reschetti and had been lobbying for loose regulation on the crypto markets. Details recently emerged that FTX had partnered with Ukraine to process donations to their war efforts within days of Joe Biden pledging billions of American taxpayer dollars to the country. An article from the cryptocurrency news website Coindesk from March 15, 2022, reports Ukraine partnered with FTX and FTX is converting crypto contributions to Ukraine's war effort into fiat for deposit in the National Bank of Ukraine. Now, some of this is repeating some of the stuff that was in the earlier article from the day before on the postmillennial.com. But I think the situation is so huge. It's so dire that, you know, it bears repeating. No question about it. Now, wouldn't you know, we got a little something else about the cryptocurrency thing. That's right. Washington Free Beacon says beleaguered crypto billionaire was hobnobbing at White House just six months ago. Sam Bankman-Fried, under investigation for mishandling customer deposits as his company implodes. And I got a little something more about Maricopa County, Arizona, too. But wait, first, let me just share this one more thing with you about FTX. FTX funded the trial that discredited ivermectin as a treatment for COVID. So if that's true, Sam Bankman-Fried has blood on his hands. Ivermectin saves lives. All right, now, Maricopa County. 
Again, from the postmillennial.com, Maricopa election officials launched PAC in 2021 to stop MAGA candidates. You can't make it up. It has been revealed that embattled Arizona's Maricopa County recorder, Stephen Richer, and Supervisor Chairman Bill Gates in 2021 started a political action committee to stop MAGA candidates. On November 17, 2021, Meg Cunningham from the Kansas City Beacon tweeted that Richer, the Maricopa County recorder, is launching a pact to support Republicans running for non-federal Arizona offices who acknowledge the validity of the 2020 election and condemn the events of January 6, 2021 as a terrible result of the lies told about the November election. Well, I hope those guys get smoked. I just, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. It is beyond the pale. Election officials should be nonpartisan. Should be nonpartisan. Oh, by the way, back to FTX for just a second. Darren J. Beatty of Revolver News says, New York Times did a puff piece on Ray Epps, you know, the obvious Fed asset, January 6th, then does a whitewash piece on uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. Guy who goes by the name Rising Serpent on Twitter says, if Sam Bankman-Fried was a Republican mega-donor, the FBI would have already raided his home, rifled through his underwear closet, while Rachel Maddow and Joy Reid would be showing Putin, Sam Bankman-Fried, face morphs every 20 minutes. But since he's Biden, Clinton, World Economic Forum, and Ukraine, we get crickets. And we sure do. We get crickets. All right, you know what time it is. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice, have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Okay, so today's tweet of the day is from an account that calls itself Inside the Classroom, providing receipts that refute the idea that it's not happening. Videos belong to their respective owners. All right. Now, Inside the Classroom has a video of Joe Biden on ABC News Live. And he says, I feel dumber after watching this. I, I hope you won't, too. The explosion in rural Poland near the Ukrainian border. And I'm going to figure out exactly what happened. Our empathy simply goes out. So apparently two people were killed. And, uh, and then we're going to collectively determine our next step as we investigate and proceed. There was total unanimity among the folks at the table. We also discussed the latest series of Russian missile attacks, which are continuing the brutality and inhumanity that they've demonstrated throughout this war against Ukrainian cities and civilian infrastructures. And uh, they've been totally unconscionable, what they're doing. Totally unconscionable. 
And the moment when the world had come together at the G20 to urge de-escalation, Russia continues to uh, has chosen to escalate in Ukraine while we're meeting. I mean, there were scores and scores of attack, missile attacks into western Ukraine. We support Ukraine fully in this moment, and we have, uh, we have since the start this conflict, and we continue to do whatever it takes to give them the capacity to defend themselves. Mr. President, is it too early to say whether this missile was fired from Russia? There is preliminary information that contests that. I don't want to say that till we completely investigate, but it, it is, uh, I, 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 it's unlikely in the minds of the trajectory that it was fired from Russia, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Unlikely. All the media is quoting our government after earlier saying, that Russia fired on Poland, all the media the last few hours has been quoting our government official sources and saying, no, no, it was Ukraine that fired a missile trying to ward off a missile incoming from Russia, and unfortunately the missile that Ukraine fired hit Poland and killed a couple of people. So has Zelensky apologized for that yet? I haven't heard anything yet. Thank you so much to Mitch Ward, RedRiverYourWay.com, for sponsoring today's tweet of the day. We appreciate you. You've been listening to Episode 282 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a Terribly Messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the Tenth. And that's the way it is. Tuesday, November 15th, 2022.